you're listening to Prairie Justice, a Greg Sanders Vigilante podcast. Prairie Justice presents the Seven Soldiers of Victory. Howdy folks, welcome back to Prairie Justice. We're on episode 12 here, and just to make it a little confusing, this is part 2 of 7 of our coverage of Leading Comics number 2, and the second story of the 7 Soldiers of Victory in publication, of which our man Vigilante, of course, is a part of that second super team of comicdom. And as before, we're covering the main story of Beware the Black Star Shines. We opened up with the introduction of our villains, the Black Star and his minions. And we're going to follow one of those minions to the Big Easy of New Orleans. As the Shining Knight tracks down False Face. Now, I should probably say a little something about False Face. All of our villains in here have no prior or recurring appearances in DC Comics. Although there is a character in the Batman TV show, the old Adam West 1966 TV show, a villain by the name of False Face that was played nominally by Malachi Throne. Uh, although that actor, for some reason, didn't uh, enjoy his time filming that series and actually petitioned to have his name taken off of that episode. And so when you ever see that on uh, either on streaming or on reruns or on DVD, you'll pull that up and you'll see false face played by question mark. And uh, I, I often wonder if the uh, if Dozier and the uh, Batman writers and producers ever thought back to this story. I have never heard any of the uh, the Batman series podcasters ever discuss that relationship. Although this false face is a man who tends to have a permanent rictus, uh, kind of a permanent grin on his face, whereas uh, Malachi Throne's characters always tended to have a, a plasticized mask over top of him as he uh, disguised himself as other characters such as oh adam west commissioner gordon and such which of course was the other characters playing themselves as being played by false face which is just part of the great fun of that uh, that epic tv series this story has been written by mort weisinger and bill finger and of course bill finger had um, some writing credits on that old Batman TV show, although I don't know if it currents, has it had a current relationship to that particular Malachi Throne episode. And our artist on here is Craig Flessel. The only thing that I don't know, I'm just going by the credits from Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics. Uh, Craig Flessel, in our previous 
uh, leading comics number one had been credited as being writer and artist. So whether that's going on right now, I really don't have any evidence one way or the other. Although I would probably take a little bit of column A and column B. Uh, Craig Flessel would know his character a lot better than either Weisinger or Finger. Although I would imagine uh, those two main writers would have kept their hand in there just to sort of maintain a, a hand on the, on the tiller. And I won't say the word continuity because we are in Golden Age comics. And uh, there's a reason why we have to have retroactive continuity. Anyway, without further ado, we're going to introduce The Shining Knight and the story called The Mystery of the Clowning Criminals. The Shining Night, a gay southern city, New Orleans. The gayest time of the year, Mardi Gras. And then through the happy revelry and joyous thousands stalks a company of clever criminals, cunningly costumed like the others, but unleashing a campaign of crime that strikes terror into all. Under cover of laughter and gaiety led by their horribly grinning master, they turn humor into horror in the mystery of the clowning criminal. Mardi Gras time! And high officials open the season of merrymaking with a solemn ceremony. This statue is a monument to the founders of New Orleans and will be unveiled by Mr. Ennis, president of the Mardi Gras Association. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. And may this beautiful bronze statue be a symbol of the courage and daring of our forefathers. Abruptly, the bronze statues come to life. Look out below, here come the pioneers. Yeah, and we're trailing Big Doe. I'll take your watch, Mr. Mayor. Like bolts of lightning, the statues strike, steal, and vanish into the mob of merrymakers. That's all, folks. Thanks for the contribution. You can go back to your unveiling now, Mr. Ennis. <laughs> Darting through the decorated streets to their hideout, the quick-change criminals prepare for another coup. What a sweet setup. Everybody in this town is wearing costumes. The cops won't even know who to look for. Shut up and get into the clown suits. We gotta meet the New York train at the station. Meanwhile, in the stable car of the New York Limited... Buddy, you must be crazy. Living here in this car for three days because of an old name. Godzooks! Uh, gosh, mister, I had to stay here. There's no place to sleep on your trains. Nothing but seats. Are you kidding? We make up berths every night. Anyway, we're nearing New Orleans, so if you own a costume, wear it. The Mardi Gras is on. The Mardi Gras? Sounds. I remember reading about this high revelry they hold. Like the Feasts of Camelot. 
It feels good to don this loyal mail of mine and recapture the spirit of those great days. Gay costume-clad crowds greet the incoming train. We're all set, boss. Listen. Six of you break into the baggage car and get the mail. The rest come with me to the passenger car. Godzook scoundrels! A little washing will leave you none the worse. The Mississippi storms start awful sudden. What a rain! Hola, false face. Well met. This is a joyous encounter, for I have been searching you out. I'm the last man you'll ever look for, you tin horn phony. By my faith, Varlet, you'll make a sorry target for my lands. Hang there a while, says swine, until the police come look for you. Like a whirling top, the helpless gang leader spins. Well done, knave false face. I ween twas the first blow you ever struck for justice. Hey, boss! Look out, you blasted fools! Broken by the razzle-dazzle assault of the man from yesterday, the clowns slink off like jackals. Back to the hideout. Quick, never mind the loot. What loot? I collected nothing but black eyes on this trip. Like a great soaring bird of prey, the shining knight mounts high over New Orleans to follow the fleeing felons with his keen eyes. Up, victory! Up higher! By my faith, it should be easy to follow those scoundrels in their white suits. But below Justin are hordes of brilliant costumes, each vivid splash of color a decoy. Gatsuks? What is this madness? This pageant, there are uh, hundreds of the same white suits. And what do I see? By St. George and the stalwart knights of the round table. It cannot be true. Cup like a plummeting white hawk, the shining knight swoops into the very heart of the carnival. My liege, lord, how art thou? Get a load of this guy's lingo, will you? And he's got a plane made up like a horse. My lord, King Arthur and Queen Guinevere and Merlin, I give you greeting. How now, Merlin, has your wisdom devised a machine for following me through the ages? This guy's walked up to the bars. C come on, Tizzy, let's go in and get a little, little rug cutting. You know, Harry, I think he talks real pretty, like in a movie. What a fool I am. This is simply more of this carnival madness. Meanwhile, Faultface rages in his hideout. Boss, can't you take off that mask? We won't rat on you. Shut up. Get into those costumes and find the knight. I can't carry out the Black Star's plans until that tin soldier is out of the way. One hour later, Justin is stopped by Mardi Gras officials. Gentlemen, I believe this is one, isn't it? 
Yes, mister. We're awarding you the first prize for the best costume. Prize? Costume? Godzooks! What would Merlin say to that? If you would just step this way, sir, we'll escort you to the viewing stand where you'll receive the award. A most effective costume, really very stirring. Crafty hands touch a hidden spring, and the knight plunges headlong into False Face's trap. Won't you drop in and pay us a visit, Fair Knight? Great gag, Charlie. I almost fell into it myself. Songs! What is this? Like octopus's tentacles, steel wire lashes a clinging net around Justin. Ah, oh, the fly has walked into our parlor. Greetings, Tin Horn. What a sense of humor, boss. You killed me. Cut the comedy. When do we kill him? With arms bound close to his side by the silk-like threads of steel, Justin is powerless to unsheath his sword. Take a last look around you, knight. We're preparing you for a museum. Cowards, base varlets, loose me but one moment and I'll make crowbait of you all. Boss, boss, the break we've been waiting for has come. Look what it says here in the paper. Yes, what is it? Like a mummy's coat, lime that turns living flesh into stone is plastered over Justin. Careful with that stuff. Okay, boss, we're all set to go. With the chemical hardening his living body to a stone statue, the knight thinks desperately. By all my faith in good justice, there must be a way out. Did I not notice a tank of water just below this pedestal? Slowly shifting his weight into the saddle, the knight at last plummets into the water-filled tank. The water will dissolve the lime, methinks. For so old Merlin once said, then I need only sever these bonds. Racing desperately against time, Justin saws his bound wrists against the tooth-like iron scales of the mermaid's tail. One more wrench and I'm free. Zounds, I must be free to aid victory. Freedom. Then quick strokes with the magic sword of sharpness and victory is saved. Victory! Patience! Courage, friend! Together we shall pay them back a thousandfold for that scurvy trick. Now we must glance at that newspaper. President Ennis calls meeting. J.J. Ennis announces that a meeting of Mardi Gras officials will be held at his home tonight. Ennis said that he would turn over the famous Star Sapphire to the police at the meeting since the present crime wave made him doubtful of the jewel's hiding place. Like a silver specter of vengeance, the Shining Knight bursts into the home of President Annis. The Shining Knight? Hail, friend. Be not alarmed. I bring succor to you in your time of need. But what's wrong? Why do I need anything? Godzooks, my friend. These scurvy knaves who have plundered your fair carnival plan to strip you of your jewel this very night. 
Steal the star sapphire, what shall I do? Good friend, I have a plan to lay these scoundrels by the heels, if you will have the courage to aid me. Now listen. That night, a cordon of grim-faced detectives forms around the Ennis mansion and examines each guest that enters. But this is preposterous. I'm one of Ennis's oldest and best friends. Uh, sorry, sir. We have the uh, orders from the police commissioner to examine everyone. Ha, ha, ha. He thinks I'm a dick. Guest after guest is submitted to a humiliating examination, then... Sorry, sir. The commissioner insists we search everyone entering here tonight. You blasted fool! I'm the police commissioner! Why, I don't believe you're a detective at all! That's all we want to know, buddy. Get your hands up and get yourself inside. All set, boss. You can come in with the boys now. The big shots are all in there. Unarmed. Moments later, False Face and his army of thugs take over Ennis' home. I want the star sapphire, Ennis. I know you've taken it out of hiding. Better come across. Oh, all right. It's in my curio room. That's it. The star sapphire. Oh, baby. Just like the Black Star said, come to Papa. Before the grasping fingers can touch the precious stone, the Shining Knight's trap springs. What? The Shining Knight? You're dead. Not yet, sir, swine. That's all a plant we've been taking in. The thugs are trapped with the same ruse they used to attack the city. Get him! You fools, shoot at his face! Wait there a while, false face, until I speak to your churlish friends. Oh, I got him trapped, Charlie. Let's hand it to him. Mind if I set this one out, rogues? Well, jousted fools. Oh, he kicked me in the head. What do you mean, he kicked me? If you insist, knaves, I'll oblige with a kick each. One chain lightning charge and the shining knight captures false face, who squirms like a frenzied rat. Blast you, knight. You squall like a helpless babe violet. And I have a mighty curiosity to see what, what me and that billy mask conceals. Let go. Can't you see that's my own face? Take your hands off me. So, this knave never wore a disguise. That is your real face. This blow I owe you for my victory's sake, friend Ennis. And I verily believe we have ended your Mardi Gras crime wave. You, you have our heartfelt gratitude, knight. Now come see the results of your one-man battle. Once the criminal clowns make their last appearance in costume, as they did their first, in a statuary group. Hola! This is a jest truly worthy of Arthur's court. It will make great telling to relate it to my legionnaire friends when we meet again. 
But behind him in the deserted curio room, a sinister cloaked figure glides silently toward one dark corner. False face, poor fool. He served his purpose, and now let the Black Star carry out his purpose. A rag doll, old, tattered, and worthless. Of what use can it be to the Black Star's sinister ends? One bright ray already, the Black Star begins to shine. Tune in next time as the Star Spangled Kid and Stripesy tackle Captain Big in the Florida Keys and the plunder of the Santa Claus Pirate. On Prairie Justice presents the Seven Soldiers of Victory. Okay, just a few brief notes on the story. We open up with a wonderful Craig Flussell splash page and I'll, I don't need to wax his car anymore. You've heard my last com uh, commentary on the previous uh, Seven Soldiers episode. And uh, this guy knows how to draw horses. And I, I don't know how many of you have ever tried your uh, attempt at drawing horses out there, but they're probably the most difficult thing you can ever draw in comics. There's just a million different kinds of muscles and actions that a horse can produce and to to do actually an action shot with a rider and still make these things uh look realistic and and uh not make the horse look like he's uh you know being abused or something like that is very very difficult and uh it does help of course that uh, winged victory of course is a winged horse so he can do so all sorts of th uh, actions in midair even as Sir Justin is uh, putting false face and another uh, few clowning criminals up on his javelin. We open up with a statue unveiling in New Orleans, and that right now rings alarm bells with me because in the last few years they have been tearing down statues down in New Orleans, mostly Confederate uh, statues. But this is a statue of... Uh, I guess frontiersmen of the ilk of Lewis and Clark or LaSalle and <laughs> here in Canada those kinds of statues have been coming down and being abused as well so but it turns out we don't have to worry because these aren't statues at all these are criminals and yes I may have just also made a uh, a Freudian slip on that about uh, some uh, figures of history also being uh, considered criminals today. So moving on, of course, this is False Face's modus operandi to uh, to move around and not so much be masters of disguise, but to uh, to appear in places that uh, you don't expect to see crooks, especially at a statue unveiling, and they're just basically doing some. You know, a petty thievery. You know, picking the pockets of the um, of the attendees here for this unveiling. Now, I do like this uh, next scene here, where we have Sir Justin in civil civil clothes in a train car. And the reason he's in this uh, train car is because Winged Victory needs a uh, needs a berth. Now, in the they didn't fly to New Orleans from Philadelphia or New York or wherever they were. Uh, they actually, uh, so Justin decided to give his horse a bit of a rest. 
and um, put him on a, on a livestock car and actually uh, stayed with him in the car so he wouldn't be lonely. So that's nice, nice of Sir Justin. And uh, I love this just because it speaks to the days of rail travel, of course, which in the 1940s was the primary way of getting around America. And the fight in the rail yards that ensues once they get to New Orleans uh, also illustrates that, that uh, Sir Justin is able to puncture a water tower. Why would they have a water tower in the rail yards? Well, this is still the, the days of steam. Although diesel is, um, the changeover to diesels is on the nigh. But uh, most rail yards and, uh, and most points that you would come to would have a water tower so that your locomotives could um, fill up with water in order for the coal to make steam. In fact, you're probably into the point of uh, diesel-burning locomotives as well, not so much uh, diesel propulsion, but as far as the diesel or fuel oil that makes steam. Anyway, that's enough of Rail Fancast. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Craig Flessel just knows how to draw horses. I mean, that's all I can say. And uh, then we come up to uh, New Orleans' version. I remember we're in Mardi Gras, but um, some actors there are having their version of the Renaissance Fair, which confuses Sir Justin a little bit. He's uh, thinks King Arthur and Guinevere have, and Merlin have caught up to him. Well, these must be very, very good actors. You'd think uh, Sir Justin would have better memories of his... Uh, of his former lieges, uh, <laughs> but they they make a bit of a, a a bit of a fool out of Sir Justin. And of course, you have to get into a trap when you're a superhero in the 1940s. And Sir Justin and Winged Victory they get have do get covered over with plaster, with lime, in fact. And I don't know if any of you have ever been around lime. But I'll tell you, it doesn't matter how good of a bag you you're in, you you try with that lime, you're gonna turn white. Well, this lime powder does that exact same thing with uh, Sir Justin himself. They don't cover the horse so much, and Sir Justin manages to find a water tank that has a mermaid in it. Well, this is New Orleans, of course, so it's not a real mermaid. So Justin goes and uh, swims with the mermaid who happens to be a statue who happens uh, to have scales on her, um, fishy parts, shall we say. So once the he's got the lime uh, washed off of him, he manages to cut his bonds on the scales of the mermaid. No subtext there, folks. Once freed, Sir Justin foils the theft of the Star Sapphire from the uh, soiree at the home of the uh, chairman of the Mardi Gras. And once that, he manages to uh, grab False Face, tries to remove that rictus of his, off his face that he believes is a mask. And of course, that is his real Looking at this story, I have to say that Dozier's writers were did see this story and uh, and and stole the character of Malachi Throne's false face for the Batman show. And Black Star manages to come in and steals a doll, 
a worthless little Cupid doll. So again, the briefest of notes, we'll see you down the road for Chapter 3.